Crossover Thursday here at the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am joined by the host of the Locked On Giants podcast, Patricia Trena, as we preview the Week 8 matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants here on the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Bucks Nation, to today's episode of the Locked on Bucks podcast. It's a crossover Thursday brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the season. Whether your favorite sports bar is finally open, your favorite restaurant has the TV on, you're in your backyard with an acceptable amount of fellow sports fans, or you're at home by yourself, or you're working the game, taking notes, getting your analysis ready to share with your readers or listeners, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day, become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Pepsi, made for football watching. I am your host, David Harrison. One half of the normal hosting duo, James Yarko, is off for this episode. You can find James on Twitter at jarko underscore bucks. Find me over at dharrison82. Find both of our written work covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over at bucksnation.com, part of SB Nation, on Twitter at bucks underscore nation. And then, of course, find the show Locked on Bucks at Locked on Bucks on Twitter as well. It's Thursday, so it's crossover Thursday. The host of the Locked On Giants podcast, Patricia Trena, here to help me give you our first in-depth look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' Week 8 opponent, the New York Giants. So let's get right to it and welcome Patricia Trena to the show. Patricia, how are you doing? And and kind of what are your initial thoughts as we get ready to enter this Monday night football matchup? I'm doing well. I hope you are doing the same. And uh, Monday night football, I'll tell you what. Um, I know the fans like it. I, I know they like these night games. I hate them <laughs> for obvious reasons. They're, they're just killers. But, you know, look. It's, it's another good opportunity to kind of break up the, the week. And, you know, the Giants are coming off a tough, tough loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, also on primetime Thursday night. So I'm sure they're going to be very hungry and very anxious to kind of make right what they messed up on Thursday night. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and Patricia, something I always like to start off with with, our, with these crossovers, um, you know, obviously I'm closer to the Buccaneers than I am any other NFL team, so I kind of get the viewpoint from in here. Uh, but I like to see what, what you guys out there have been thinking about all offseason. I mean, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of dominating a lot of the headlines, you know, during the during the late spring, summer, summer months there. What were your thoughts about Tom Brady joining the Buccaneers, expectations of them entering the season? And then how do you kind of view them from the New York Giants uh, lens midway uh, through the season? Well, I mean, when I saw Tom Brady head to Tampa, I, I got to be honest with you. I did not think he was going to leave New England. I, th- I was kind of surprised because – you know, he and, and Belichick, you know, it's like peanut butter and jelly, you know. So I was really surprised to see that. But with that said, you know, the Bucks were looking for a new quarterback. Bruce Arians is, uh, you know, he's a tremendous head coach. And so far, it's pretty clear that um, that the Bucks have gotten the better of that deal with uh, with signing Brady. He, you know, everybody thought, oh, the two of them are not going to be able to survive without each other. And Brady's doing just fine from what I can see. So um, so good for him. You know, he's in a system where um, he's thriving, even at the age, I think he's 40, 40 years old now. 43. 43. Yeah. So, so he, I mean, he, he's, he's playing like a young man, and uh, there's just no stopping him. Who knows how much longer he'll be able to play. But right now, he's, he's, he's ageless. Absolutely. Yeah, father time is undefeated, but 
Tom Brady might have him on the ropes. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, let's stay back in, in time a little bit. Let's go back to the NFL draft. Because uh, I don't really remember who dominated the mock draft as far as players for the New York Giants. But I know most people, including myself, had Andrew Thomas as the fourth best of the big four offensive tackles. But then draft night, uh, you know, if you can remember exactly, you know, who, who did you think the Giants were going to be targeting on, in that first round? And then what were your reactions when it was Thomas that was the first tackle taken off the board? Well, actually, I did think it was going to be Thomas. I went on record as saying it was going to be him because all the signs were pointing to him. I knew it was going to be an offensive tackle all, all the way. Yeah. I mean, I know there were some Giant fans that were hoping for Isaiah Simmons or, right, right. or another position, and I, I knew it was going to be an offensive tackle. And the logic was simple, you know, that hopefully they wouldn't be that high again and, you know, get your franchise left tackle. Now, um, when they initially picked him at the time, I thought, okay, he's the safest of the picks. Mm-hmm. You know, the other guys had some warts, but with that said – who didn't see COVID coming? Who didn't see the struggles right. coming? Um, you know, Andrew Thomas, when he is on with his technique, he is phenomenal. He can be a all-pro type of left tackle. The problem is, and we talked to offensive line coach Mark Colombo on Wednesday, the problem is, is Andrew Thomas is not consistent. And I think, you know, I, I asked Mark Colombo this question. I said, you know, is his problem because, you know, he's not setting his base or is he just, you know, getting fooled by the veterans that he's facing to where he's just in survival mode? Mm-hmm. And Colombo kind of agreed with me on that. He said, you know, part of it is survival mode because these veterans are doing things to this kid that that he's just not either anticipating or whatnot. So kind of reading between the lines a little bit, I, I had me – that raised a little bit of a flag for me in that, you know, is Andrew Thomas really preparing as well as he could be against these guys? I don't know the answer to that, but that statement kind of had me like, hmm, you know? We're going to get deeper here into this Andrew Thomas conversation a little bit as we continue to look back at the 2020 NFL draft and the the pick that honestly a lot of people thought was going to become the next offensive tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. And then guys, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL draft as the New York Giants, the New York Giants fan base finds themselves in a position that Buccaneers fans unfortunately are very familiar with. And that is of course that some of them are already talking about next year's NFL draft. So that's going to be a conversation that Bucks Nation is obviously very familiar with, but something that I hope Bucks Nation is not familiar with is overpaying for car parts that you need to make sure your vehicle is running. Because one of the biggest reasons to repair and maintain your car, of course, is to save money so you can use it for other important things or things that you actually want to spend your money on. So why would you spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership that you can find cheaper at rockauto.com? rockauto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com part two of crossover thursday with the host of the locked on giants podcast patricia trainer coming up right after this here at the locked on bucks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day back now for segment two at the locked on bucks podcast crossover thursday with the host of the locked on giants podcast patricia trainer we just been talking about andrew thomas and some of the expectations surrounding the Giants entering the 2020 NFL draft. 
Patricia talking a little bit about some of the struggles that Thomas has had in his rookie season in the previous segment. Thomas has had some struggles, and honestly, a lot of Buccaneers people, myself, I myself mocked Thomas uh, to the Buccaneers uh, quite a bit, thinking that he was going to be that fourth tackle taken off the board. Of course, they end up with Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Uh, they've been very happy with him there at the right tackle position, not really looking for a left tackle, at least not this season. Um, so we talk about a lot of those symptoms, you know, him getting beat off the edge and maybe not getting the set uh, quite properly. But and, and you hit on a little bit. So maybe maybe if you could just expand on that a little bit more, what do you think the underlying cause is? Because, you know, you see the symptoms of him getting beat and all that. But, but what's what's the actual affliction? I, I guess, you know, in, in a time of covid, that's kind of something we like to talk about. Uh, what's the disease, if you will? Is it is it effort? Is it coaching? Is it scheme? Or is he just not meant to be a left tackle in the National Football League? I mean, maybe he's just built better to be a right tackle at some point in time. What do you think? You know, it's, it's halfway through his rookie season, but what do you think might be the underlying cause for all this? There's a couple of things that I wondered about. Number one, I wondered if when he was drafted, the Giants told him, hey, we're going to start you at right tackle. We're going to put you next to Kevin Zeitler, who is a veteran right guard, who is a guy who is a little bit more established. You know, he's, he's had some good football the last couple of years. This year, not so much, but, you know, the last couple of years. Whereas Will Hernandez, the left guard, he struggled uh, a little bit. And I think initially the plan might have been to start Andrew Thomas over at that right tackle. And then after, you know, they got went through this year, move him to the left side after he had a full off season, had a chance to go through the weight room and all that other good stuff. So I think that's part of it. The other part of it, when you watch him on film, there's two things that jump out at you that make you that make you just want to pull your hair out. The first thing is, is Andrew Thomas does not set his feet. He does not establish mm-hmm. a base. And therefore, he becomes very easy to knock aside or push around or walk back into the quarterback's lap. The other thing that drives me crazy is his hand punch. You know, there are times when his guy is literally, you know, made first contact with him and he has his arms down by his hips mm-hmm. instead of making striking that first blow. So I think a combination of all that has kind of, you know, set this kid's head on fire, so to speak, and just, you know, created a situation where he's good sometimes, but a lot of times he's basically in that survival mode. Yeah, I mean, and looking at the struggles that he's had, I mean, he's going to be going up against, you know, guys like Indomitian and Sue this week, uh, Shaquille Barrett, and I mean, even some of those depth guys, guys like Anthony Nelson, when they get on the field, they've shown that they have the, they have the ability uh, to take advantage of offensive linemen who weren't setting properly and, and really using strong technique, and then Daniel Jones, of course, is going to be holding on. For dear life, I know some Buccaneers fans are kind of looking forward to maybe seeing if Shaq Barrett can't kind of get back on that, you know, uh, not necessarily league-leading pace, but on a, on, a, on a similar pace to what he had last year in this matchup. So we'll see how that has to go. And talking about some of those struggles that the Giants have had, Patricia, obviously it's never good uh, when a fan base is talking NFL draft and trading for draft picks in October. I know you're already fielding questions about those things uh, and because a lot of Giants fans are talking about just that, and some outlets are already starting to write about you know, draft pick potentials and positions. Uh, but there are only one or two games, uh, really two games out of first place in, in the loss column, one game in the win column, with nine games still to go because this is a very weak NFC East conference due to, you know, some injuries and some other things. But it's, it, you know, just by and large, not a very competitive division across the league. So I kind of feel like, you know, from the outside looking in, I understand, you know, one in six, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But are the Giants kind of looking forward to that to that type of mode? Because there's there's talks about Golden Tate, Evan Ingram, uh, Leonard Williams. I mean, 
are they are they in that mode inside the building from from what you're feeling out out there or is there still something salvaged from this divisional race that they're trying to fight for i think it's a combination i mean joe judge sits there and tells us every week practically every day that progress is being made and i actually a couple weeks ago i i put him on the spot i said what do you define as progress? Because it's not showing up on the field. What is progress to you? And he talked about, you know, he's seen things on the practice field that, you know, guys aren't making the same mistakes or he'll put the film up and he'll see, you know, guys doing things better that maybe they were struggling with earlier. Well, la-di-da, that's all good, well and good, but it's not translating onto the field. So until it does, as far as, you know, the outside world is concerned, this team isn't making progress. But as far as where they're thinking, you know, they do think that they can still be competitive. I do think that the Giants are going to move a couple of veterans. I mean, they've already traded Marcus Golden to the Arizona Cardinals. That is not a, dis- a surprise to me. I kind of anticipated that coming. Um, I think they're going to try and move Golden Tate. Uh, to a receiver needy team. He's not in the plans for the team next year. So why not see if you can't get something for him? I don't know that they're going to move Evan Ingram. I made Mm -hmm. a case that they should move Evan Ingram on Giants country, which is the side I I manage and write for, but I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I just don't think the production has been there with Evan Ingram. The other guy that um, whose name has come up is Kevin Zeitler. He's not going to be in the long-term plans either, not with his salary cap hit. And I think they want to get, um, Shane Lemieux, their fifth round pick into the lineup. So it's a matter of will they get the value that they're looking for? I don't think they're going to get like, you know, for Evan Ingram, for example, they trade him. I don't think they're going to get a first round pick or a second round pick. Right. Or it, it, They'll be lucky if they get a third round pick. I think they'd have to take maybe a, you know, maybe a high day three pick in exchange for him because, you know, picks evaluate, uh, depreciate rather. So I think the best scenarios would be you know um Zeitler and Tate being moved I don't know that they'll be able to move both of them because I I know Dave Gettleman is not going to give them away for for you know what he would say a bag of peanuts and a hot dog mm-hmm. yeah and MC South fans are very familiar with uh with David Gettleman's work uh there with his time with the Carolina Panthers and, and speaking of Evan Ingram Patricia I mean he's a guy that uh you know I've heard you talk about and I've seen some other giant sources talk about as well and uh, we actually had Jake Arians on our show on yesterday's episode and I asked him about Evan Ingram there as well. And, and in his opinion, I kind of want to see if, if you agree with Jake or if you have a contrasting opinion. He thinks that the problem with Evan Ingram and the New York Giants, at least as it stands today, is, is basically the fit in the scheme and, and the fact that Evan Ingram doesn't really fit what a Jason Garrett offense is going to ask a tight end to do. That He described Evan Ingram as a kind of a tweener guy. He's not really the bigger tight end that you would expect to be able to uh, provide some, some blocking help and then also be able to help out in the passing game. He's much more of a receiver, not much of a blocker, if a blocker at all, and that the Giants often seems to kind of try to force him into this blocking role while not maximizing his receiver role. Do you agree that this is not a scheme fit? Because if it's not, you know, like you said, I don't they're not gonna get they're not gonna recoup, you know, like value for what they spent on him. Uh, they may not even get a day two pick, like you said. They may have to settle for a day three pick if they get him. But is that even better than at least than you know, it's kind of spinning your wheels as a, as an offense and as a player in Evan himself? trying to get this thing to work when the scheme is just not going to adapt to the player. You know, I think the scheme does have part of something to do with it, which is kind of surprising because if you look at the scheme in Dallas and how the tight ends down there have had success, you know, you you would sit there and say, oh, wow, Evan's going to have a humongous type of year. But, but, you know, I think there's some validity in the point that he is a tweener. You know, you shouldn't be asking this guy to block – 
you know, he's, he's what, 240 pounds, and you're asking him to block guys who are 270, 280 pounds. I mean, it's just not happening. And I don't know why the Giants can continue to try to ask him to do that. I know in the past I've had conversations with Evan, and, I, you know, he won't admit to this on the record or off the record, but I, I've, I've said to him, I said, look, they have not figured out how to use you properly. And I think, you know, with Evan Ingram, I do think he's more of a uh, of a – you know, a receiver type, and, you know, they haven't used him properly. And I, I just – three offensive coordinators now have had the same problem, and I just don't under, understand it. You know, the other thing with Evan Ingram that I wondered about is he had foot surgery in December. And mm. I know he's healthy, he's out there and everything, but I wonder if that's not playing into his mind as well because I watch him play, and I think he's tentative. You know, you watched him at, at Thursday night, and he reached out for that that pass that that would have ended the game, right. but he didn't fully extend, and that bothered me. Yeah. The other thing that bothered me was on that interception that Daniel Jones threw. Ingram took his eye off the ball and was looking at the you know the linebacker that was coming at him. Mm-hmm. That bothered me. So yeah. I just wonder if maybe some of that injury history that Evan Ingram has had has now manifested in his his mindset. Talking New York Giants here on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast. Crossover Thursday with Patricia Trainer, the host of the Locked On Giants podcast, to get you ready for game day during this football season that has been different than any other. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Our final segment of Crossover Thursday coming right up here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final segment here of the Crossover Thursday episode of Locked On Bucks podcast. David Harrison joined by Patricia Trena of the Locked On Giants podcast. We've been talking about the potential impact or lack of impact from tight end Evan Ingram and the possibility that his injury history might be contributing to the decline in his play over the first few years of his career. Football version of the yips, if you want to call it that. Uh, we've definitely seen some players uh, fall fall victim to that. And then, of course, uh, we got to talk quarterbacks. You know what I mean? We got to talk Daniel Jones. Uh, just be, I mean, completely honest, I did not uh, think that Daniel Jones was a first-round quarterback. I certainly didn't feel like he should have been drafted as high as he was by the Giants. Completely understand a team trying to go out there and find their franchise quarterback. We see it every year that quarterbacks get drafted. You know, their their valuation gets gets raised just because of the position, the importance of the position. Everybody says if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And, you know, there, there's a little bit to that and, and a little bit maybe not to that. The San Francisco 49ers kind of displayed that if you have a – a top-notch defense, but and you have a, a, a run-of-the-mill quarterback, you can still make a run. But either way, the Giants go out there, they make their move, they grab Daniel Jones. He's definitely shown flashes, you know what I mean? And then you look back to the matchup with the Buccaneers last week or last year, you know, the, as soon as Saquon Barkley leaves that game, I think everybody in, in Bucks media, Buck, the Buccaneers themselves, probably Bucks fans, you know, I think everybody related to Tampa Bay just kind of took a sigh of relief and said, oh, okay, this game's in the bag. And then, of course, we all know what happened. We don't need to rehash this on the Locked On Bucks podcast. Um how do you feel about Daniel Jones right now and his state with the franchise? Uh, do you think because because again, I mean, you talk about offense coordinators and, and changes in offensive schemes. Uh, we go back to like guys like Alex Smith. You know, uh, continuity is important. Coaching matters, and all of those things. How do you feel uh, about Daniel Jones moving forward with with this coaching staff? Do you think it's it's something that can happen, or do you think there's a quarterback change in the next you know year, two or three? 
I think the jury's still out on Daniel Jones, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, one of the one of the questions I had about him that really bothered me from last year, and it continues to bother me this year, is his mental processing. I, I look at a guy who goes out there, and I'm not saying he doesn't know what to do. He does, but mm -hmm. if what he needs to do breaks down, how quickly is he adjusting? Right. And I put that question to, to Giants quarterback coach Jerry Shaplinsky, who said he's making progress in that area. Well, you know, I'm making progress every day as a writer, and I've been doing this for, <laughs> what, 20-plus years, maybe longer than that, right. most of my adult life. So, you know, it's, it's all relative at the end of the day. But um, with Daniel, I mean – I think the jury's still out on him. Um, there, I do know that they're optimistic with him. Part of it is the protection that mm -hmm. has been inconsistent. Part of it has been the fact that he doesn't have a running game, which is a problem. Mm -hmm. Part of it is he's got receivers who maybe other than Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton can't get open to save their lives. He's got a tight end who just, they, they can't figure out what the heck to do with him. So, right. I think you have to t factor all that into the equation with Daniel Jones. That's not to say that he's blameless in all this, but you have to just add all that in together. That's why I think the jury is out on this kid, who, by the way, it's funny, at the combine, I remember um, taking a picture of him because I, when I walked by his podium, I remember saying, oh, wow, that looks like a young Eli Manning. So I took a snap of it. And I put it on Twitter and I said, the next Giants quarterback. And everybody's like, no. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, there are definitely some some similarities in personality and, and everything that go uh, between Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. And I just, I look at Patricia, I mean, I, I really am rooting for the kid. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of human beings and I, I want everybody to reach their dreams that they have the opportunity to. So definitely not wishing ill on the kid, but I just, uh, some of those processing issues that you're talking about, we saw them at Duke, we saw some of the ball security issues at Duke as well. And I just, my concern is that they're not getting fixed, even through the offensive schemes. Some of the things in the basic mechanics of playing quarterback at the NFL level, I don't see Daniel Jones getting better at, at a rate anyway, kind of what you're referring to, you know, uh, same thing. I've gotten better as an interviewer, as a writer, as a podcaster over the years, but I'm just never going to be Peter King. And I don't know that Daniel Jones is ever going to be Eli Manning or one of those quarterbacks for the New York Giants. Uh, but yeah, definitely still more time on that, so we'll definitely look at that. Uh, before we get to Daniel Jones' entire future and write the book on his career, uh, of course, we got to look, look ahead to the matchup with the Buccaneers. So what's one thing, Patricia, that you can point to with the Giants that you can say they have a shot in this game because of this? Oh, wow. I would say probably the pit matchup. The Giants have a very good defensive line. That is the strength right now of their team. I know the Bucks have a, a pretty good offensive line as well, but I kind of like that matchup for the Giants. I like some of the things they do with the, you know, how they disguise their blitzes and their stunts mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I think if we're going to talk about, you know, what chance do the Giants have? We all know that Tom Brady does not like to be hit. That's been proven. <laughs> and and actually, I just looked up a, a, a stat. I, I pretty sure, yeah, here it is from Pro Football Focus. Brady is, has completed 42.9% of his pass attempts this year when under pressure. Mm -hmm. This Giants defense, I think, can penetrate, can create pressure. So can they do it to the extent where Brady goes from being the GOAT to just you know an average you know Joe? I don't know, but yeah. I would say that's probably the best chance the Giants have in maybe keeping this game within re reach. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's very astute uh, observation. I think that's that's the key. Anytime you're facing a Tom Brady team, I mean, if you can get Tom Brady off his spots, kind of like going up against Steph Steph Curry when he's healthy in the Golden State Warriors, if if you can make Steph Curry shoot from somewhere he doesn't want to shoot from, you have a chance. Same thing with Tom. If you can make him throw the ball off balance, off base from a spot in the pocket or outside the pocket he didn't plan on, then you have a shot. Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive line has taken some criticism over the years and even earlier this year. But last two games against Packers and Raiders, no sacks given up so far. And if I remember correctly, only one quarterback hit uh, surrender to the to the Las Vegas Raiders. So definitely a, a tall task for the Giants defensive front there. But yeah, if they can make it happen, that, that I do believe that will give them a fighting chance. Now we're going to flip that question. Um, and unfortunately for, for Giants folks, fortunately for Buccaneers folks, there's going to be plenty for you to pick from. But what is it about this game that the Buccaneers bring to the field that makes you think the Giants have no shot or a less likely shot of coming out with a win this Monday night? Oh, wow. Uh, where do I start <laughs> with this one? <laughs> I would say so many to choose from. I, I think right now Tampa Bay has some momentum behind them. They've scored something like 83 points yeah. in their last two games. And those defenses, they've scored them against the Packers and, and, and the Raiders. They're not horrible defenses. Right. The Giants are not a horrible defense either. They're not bottom dwellers, but they have had some breakdowns in coverage. I'm concerned about how the receivers are going to match up. I know Chris Godwin is out. Scotty Miller, though, is a guy that I know I asked yeah. um, about earlier in the week with Joe Judge, and you know, got they had at that point they hadn't really gotten into the film and whatnot, mm. and uh, so he's a guy that worries me because the Giants, to me. They just don't have two solid cornerbacks. They have James Bradbury, who I would expect would cover Mike Evans since they know each other so well from <laughs> Bradbury's day uh, against Carolina. But, you know, who's going to cover, you know, Scotty Miller and the other receivers that they have? Mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski yeah. worries me. You know, the Giants have done a pretty good job against tight ends. But, you know, Jabril Peppers, who will probably draw that assignment, doesn't have the size advantage there. Right. So, you know, Gronk, I think, can, can really, you know, win that battle, I suspect. So that that would be another thing. Um, the lack of a running game from the Giants is a concern. You know, if, if they can't get the ball going on the ground, then guess what? The, you know, Daniel Jones is going to be a sitting duck back there behind mm-hmm. an inconsistent offensive line. So there's just so much that I can see going wrong for this Giants team. And I just don't like the overall matchups on, on paper. Yeah, I think on paper it's obviously a very, very large uphill climb for the Giants to, to face at home on in primetime. Uh, last I checked on my bookie, uh, friends of the network here, of course, 11-point favorites for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road, which really kind of reads out to 14 points when you consider usually these books like to give the home team three points right off the bat. Uh, so almost a 14-point deficit, of course, the Buffalo Bills came in last week against another New York team uh, as 11-point favorites, and, and that thing didn't go quite as planned either. So, you know, any given Sunday or any given Monday night uh, in this case. Patricia, last question before we, we get you out of here. Uh, you, of course, are the network expert on the New York Giants. SI.com has has employed you and paid you to, to cover the New York Giants for a reason. You've done some very extensive work covering this team. Let Buccaneers fans know which guy from that side of this matchup they should be keeping an eye on that maybe they don't know as well. Outside the Daniel Joneses of the world, who should Buccaneers fans know coming into this game? Mm, I'm going to say Blake Martinez is one on defense because he's just been, I mean, he's for a guy that came in and I had my doubts about given how he was used in the Green Bay um, defense, yeah. Martinez has been just an absolute, you know, terror 
Um, he's been very uh, proactive. He's and and most of the tackles he's coming up with are within you know five yards of the line of scrimmage. So that's somebody I would definitely keep an eye on. Um, like I said, the defensive line has been playing really well. Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, they've all been playing well on offense. A guy I would keep an eye on, I would say, you know, maybe Sterling Shepard. He's just, mm -hmm. he's such an expert at finding soft spots in zone coverage. That would be a guy to keep an eye on. Obviously, Darius Slayton, a guy to yeah. keep, keep watch on. I think Wayne Gallman, um, a running back who, if Devonta Freeman can't go, I think he might see a lot of snaps and, and you know, Gallman's a guy I've always liked. I've always liked yeah. how he runs and, you know, he's had some ball security issues here and there, but, you know, I think if he given an opportunity, he can do some damage. So those would be a few names I would keep an eye on. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Slayton and a big fan of Gallman. Uh, really liked Slayton coming into last season and really was really happy to see him uh, start getting some recognition there in New York and think that they've got a good one there if they can develop that. And, and keep him as part of this build or this rebuild. And then, yeah, Gallman's a guy like too, like you said, some ball security issues, uh, but definitely a fan of his as well. If, if they can get that going and, and get Saquon back uh, healthy for next year, maybe uh, use them in tandem. Uh, sorry, Patricia Trana, host of the Locked On Giants podcast. Thank you, of course, for your time. Thank you for dropping a lot of knowledge here on Buccaneers fans ahead of this Monday night matchup. Let them know where they can find you, where they can follow you. And, uh, of course, let them know about the book you're I mean, every football fan should, should love history and want a part of history in the New York Giants are one of the great franchises of this league's history. Uh, so let them know about that work that you've done over there as well. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. And I just put a book out. It's my first official book. It's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the New York Giants. It is available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, wherever books are sold. It's 50 chapters outlining um, going back to the early years of the Giants to, you know, as recently as Odell Beckham Jr. and, you know, um, some, you know, Eli's retirement and stuff. So a lot of great information. I guarantee if you're a Giant fan or even, you know, even if you're not a Giant fan and you just want to learn about the Giants franchise, you will learn something. And I put that to the test because I ran that, the manuscript past a couple of longtime um, historians who have covered the team a heck of a lot longer than I have and then and it was a case of did you know about this and they even came away saying that they learned something from the book so nice. I think you know people will enjoy it and you know I hope you will and uh, if you do like it give it a five-star review and I appreciate it absolutely Patricia thank you for your time no problem and Bucks Nation, as always, we appreciate and thank you for your time as well for joining us here at the Locked on Bucks podcast. Tomorrow, I'll be joined once again by James Yarko as we lay down our final thoughts, bold predictions, key matchups, and we predict the winner of the Week 8 Monday Night Football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New York Giants. But we won't be doing it alone as we're going to kick you off into the weekend with the help of Buccaneers.com staff writer Carmen Vitale joining us for our Friday episode, so don't miss it. Come on back to us Friday and check out everything that we have to say on our final episode of this week. Until we speak again, if you're out and about, please be safe. Please be kind to one another. And as always, thank you for joining me right here at Locked On Boxing.